Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. we're still on king of fuzz style on twitter right no, unfortunately i it's I changed it's again still, well yeah i think i think we even touched on this last time because i just i don't know i just have this habit of always changing my handle because i could just never be happy with anything but uh wolfman jams uh kind of like an uh an inside story to that with like the radio station which was trying to get going back at uh school you know, adults in school here, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, <laughs> so just kind of like when I felt like it was going to take off and be something, you know, unfortunately, right. we're dealing with this whole uh, pandemic and everything. And I was like, oh, man. But for now, yeah, Twitter handle is still at Wolfman Jams. Matt, thanks always for uh, having me on here, man. How we doing? Oh, yeah, man. I'm good, man. You know, yeah, 2020 crazy, crazy year. Uh, you know, it's like I don't, even, I, don't even, I don't even know where to begin, like. Yeah, you know, I mean, COVID, and I'm I'm here in I'm here in, in Portland, and like literally outside right now is just like I, I don't know. It, it looks like heavy fog, but it's not. It's yeah, uh, dude, smoke. I can't so, imagine what that crazy. must feel it like. Smells, I've never had to like really deal it with it. Just anything. smells like an absolute campfire, uh, like everywhere outside. Yeah, that so. that can't be good. Well, you know what? With hopefully with the topic we have, you know, could you know could add a lot more. Uh, you know, color and uh, life to you know everybody's uh, everyday life right now. You know, so, you hey, know, that's, so, that's, uh, hey, that, that's true. Hey, that, you know, and that and that is ultimately what we're here for. Real quick though, before we get to today's topic, which is N sixty four classics, um, you know, there's uh, it, Adam. It's been a while. It's actually been been a couple months. I think yeah, you and I have yeah. have podcasted because I kind of took the summer off. Um. Yeah, you know, I mean, what are what are I mean, we got the we got the the Xbox Series X coming out. We got yeah. the PlayStation Five, and to me, the biggest news uh, is Super Mario All Stars 3D, which comes out here shortly. I'm excited for it because I'm down. I'm down to play Super Mario 64. Yeah, it's the I one can't Super wait. Mario yeah. game that everyone's like, oh, everyone has at the top of the list. I just 
don't have as much time with that as I certainly have with, say, Sunshine. And so I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to play it start to finish uh, and enjoy it here on the Switch. Yeah, I I'm I was super stoked when they announced that because Mario 64 is still arguably my favorite Mario game next to Odyssey because Odyssey grew up there quickly when I played that for the first time and I, I I fell in love with it but I think at heart it's still got to be Mario 64 but Odyssey's a serious contender still and I really really enjoyed Sunshine but I never finished it though and I always regretted that so I'm hoping to make amends here with that Galaxy I've always wanted to play. Never got to. I kind of skipped the Wii as far as Nintendo systems go. So, again, it'll be really fun to sink my teeth into that as well. Uh, as far as the uh, the Xbox series, you know, like, those sound great. I can't wait. I'm probably not going to get them right away. I'm probably going to wait a little bit because I've got my Switch to hold me over. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of lots of great stuff still being announced for the Switch. You know, I, I texted you the other day about the whole Scott Pilgrim resurgence. I was very excited about that. We get Scott Pilgrim on the Switch now. I can't wait for that to come out. It's you know, it's it's definitely going to be able to to hold me over. So that's why some yeah, exciting it's... things happening for sure. Yeah, it's a good time. I'm planning the PlayStation Five is certainly what I'm I'm planning on getting. But I did not own an Xbox last generation, um, or the generation we're about to exit with uh, the Xbox One. Um, cause I, I, I went PS4, the generation before I went Xbox 360, um, pretty much all the way through. And then I got a PS3 at the end just for some of those exclusives, but I actually, I may end up getting, since they have that Xbox series S, which is like a 1440 P version of the, you know, Xbox series X, but it's like all digital. It's a little bit smaller, a little bit cheaper. Um, so I may actually end up getting one of those if, uh, it, it kind of depends on their library because I'm now pretty hardcore into PC gaming because I've like updated my computer. I've got you know, like the I got the RX fifty seven hundred you know XT graphics card and stuff like that. So I I feel in four you know four K monitors stuff like that. So it's like all right. So I've I've definitely built up my my computer, but I I may end I may end up going with the uh, with the X with an Xbox this but certainly PlayStation is is what I'm most excited for because Grand Turismo Seven's coming out all right and okay that I actually I, didn't even know about Guilty as charged you know and I oh and it looks yeah it looks it looks gorgeous so oh uh, yeah, man so. I was kind of sold because I think from what I heard correctly I think they're trying to work more on the new Xbox's backwards compatibility a bit more than they have been mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. kind of sold me. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I'm kind of just like, you know what? I've been kind of cruising with the Xbox since the 360, and I think I'm just going to continue that train. Like I said, I already got a Switch, so I have something to really hold me over right. in the meantime. Love Sony. Like, I love it all, you know? Like, all everything's right. got something great to offer, and for a specific reason, uh, it's just, you know, unfortunately, you know, for economic reasons, like I said, not going to do it uh, right away. Just going to wait it out. But, yeah, I yeah. think I'm still definitely going to give the new xbox a shot for sure unfortunately sorry sony it's just i don't know it's it's kind of just this the way i've been going lately hey no that's hey that's okay yeah i mean ultimately at the end of the day i still think i the switch is 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 my go-to just because i can play it on the couch right i can i can i can take it with me if when i travel i can take it to work i can you know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff with me so the the switch is is still my is still my 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 go-to device but with that let's shift gears talk about a different nintendo console we've been doing these um you know the series here where we've been 
we did like an SNES episode. We did a PlayStation episode. Uh, I think we did maybe DS or or Game yeah, we Boy. Did, yeah, DS. I remember DS classics for sure. Yeah, that yeah, was we good. did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We did DS. So let's go ahead and do one here. Um, and there's literally hundreds of games to pick to pick from, and so we can certainly come back to this at some point. But today we're doing N sixty four. Oh yeah, classics. Yeah. So I gotta say real quick. The N64, um, I had definitely kind of an interesting uh, relationship with, and it is really the one system that I would say it, I would really like to collect collect for. Um, I got it at the very end of its life cycle. I was definitely a PlayStation guy. Yeah, same with uh, me. But, I mean, look and looking back, I mean, I still would have preferred, uh, if I had to choose between the two, like I still would have definitely preferred the PlayStation over over the N64. Um, but the N64 just has so many games on it that I don't think we're really ever going to see again. I really don't think a lot of these games are going to get ported or or remade or, or stuff like that of really those N64 exclusives. Um, you know, we, we've been seeing PlayStation games get remade, you know, PS2 games, all this stuff, either remade, remastered. But I think the N64, a lot of those games are just going to end up kind of just living only on on that console so i let's uh let's give them some light so adam i'm gonna toss it to you first oh thanks yeah you know i was thinking about this and obviously there's just so many like choices as far as classics go you know like super mario 64 you know like we were just talking about since it's getting ported to the switch now and you know you have goldeneye banjo kazooie the first super smash brothers yeah, you know, there were definitely uh, you know Pokemon Stadium, Pokemon Snap, which was the first Thank 3D Pokemon game. You know, yeah. it, it's it's kind of like you know I I could have easily picked any of those games. It's just I kind of went along a route where it's like okay, these games were pretty popular too, but I feel like are severely overlooked, especially given like where they kind of like fall into. So with that, my first game. Released in originally in 1997, Yoshi's Story. You know, because it's like you got a game in like in the Mario verse in a sense. You know, it's a character that's appeared in Mario games right before this showed up on the N64, and it's just like it amazes me that I don't hear as many people talk about it. Um, for whatever reason, I don't know why. You know, like I remember a lot of people enjoying it when I was a kid. Uh, and I remember it stood out to me for. It's pre-rendered backgrounds, and everything else was kind of like 2.5D-ish. You know, I really liked that approach. A very basic story, you know, you know, a game of the, you know, the Mario caliber, you know. You know, the real uh, goal is to just have fun playing it for the most part. Very vibrant and fun. It's got a cute little soundtrack. It's got a cute look to it all around, you know. So it's like, I think it's fun in a sense where it's like you know like i i can't be sad when i think about yoshi's story or look at it or like go back and like watch youtube clips of it or something like that you know you get to, and you get and the fun part is you get to play as uh six different yoshis you know and they're all different colors you know um it's yeah, actually it's got, that, it's got that kind of like uh you know all the all the yoshi stories games kind of have their own art style um 
well, really a lot of the Yoshi's game have their own art style. This one to me, it, uh, it kind of reminds me of like a like a like a storybook, right? Like a pop up kind of right. Storybook. Exactly. Yeah, and that 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 goes in. You know, that's a big part of the story of the game because that's like a spell that uh, Baby Bowser casts on Yoshi's Island. Basically, you know, he turns it into the storybook and he steals their super happy tree. Yeah, I, I don't know, real original name, I guess, guys. But right. you know, he steals it away to weaken the Yoshi's, and you know, you have to set out with the six Yoshis you get to play as to go and save the super happy tree. A couple of things I wanted to note here, though, too. Fun fact, this is the first game, actually, to feature Yoshi's uh, voiceover, actually. Um, the second game being Super Smash Brothers in 1999. And I actually didn't realize that. I never realized that Yoshi did not really have voiceover work in, like, Super Nintendo games or anything like that when he first showed up in Mario. And, again... You know, we made the point on how all the different Yoshi games have its own art style. And that's what I really... I kind of always considered this to be in the spin-off category of Mario games. Because he first showed up in a Mario game, I feel like. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's great because so many of these Mario spin-off games could have easily just followed that formula. But they've managed to give them all their own identity to make them stand out and i thought that was uh really really clever um you know but it's got similar mechanics to you know you run and jump you know like any kind of like platformer like a classic nintendo platformer would do you get to shoot eggs though that's fun uh to get through each level you gotta like collect fruit and hearts to get from level to level if i remember correctly um i haven't played this game in freaking years so but i do i do remember being like six worlds that i remember yeah i'm looking it up here because i was like you know let me actually take a look at the yoshi series so i mean in general right the first game yoshi's island which i think is if i had to say would probably be is probably the most beloved in the series but it is super mario world 2 right i mean like but Yoshi, you know, Yoshi's Island. But I think more people view it as like I view it far more as a Yoshi game than I do a a Mario game. But then the crazy thing is you go to Yoshi's story, right, for the N64, 1997. Right. Um, in, in Japan, 1998. Uh, the next console Yoshi's game is Yoshi's Woolly World for the Wii U in right. 2015. What a gap, right? Wow. Seriously. That's, that's insane. I mean there were there were definitely some games for the for the handhelds. Um there was like Touch and Go for the DS and uh Yoshi's um uh there was a Yoshi's Island DS, but is that that was I actually have that actually, which is it's that's, it's its own game, right? Yeah, it, it's it's its own game, yeah. Well, I think it was a port of of the uh, Super Nintendo Game Boy Advanced version, they put it on the DS to feature like more characters, kind of like in the sense how they did uh, Mario 64 on the DS. I okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. And then, and then you have Yoshi's New Island, which is one um, that I've always it was for the 3DS. It's it's still one of the like five games I need for my 3DS collection. Um, but I I've always that game. Um, I, I'm not super big into the Yoshi's games. Because uh, I tried Woolly World, I tried what is it, Crafted World, the new one for the for the Switch, um, but I just I do just like the art style in that one for the uh, for the for the 3DS, which is it's like that, that kind of like uh, crayon like colored pencil. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Art, I like it. Art style, sure. yeah. 
And in a sense, that kind of pays homage to you know the whole Yoshi story art exactly. style. In a sense, being like it's like a book, and and mm-hmm. in that kind of uh, sense, um, it's. So each page is a world, and it's like there's four courses per world. So, you know, think of like that in a Super Mario fashion, you know, where it's like you have a world and you have four levels in each world as well. Um, it's relatively a... It's not a long game, relatively. If you play straight through it, it's like two and a half hours or something like that, depending on, you know, on what you do in it. Um, I, I remember... I don't remember a lot of the levels, but I specifically remember the third level in the first world standing out to me because i remember like when i first played it and it's i think it was called cloud cruising and you kind of just you ride these snake creatures that have like these weird smiles through the sky and i just remember i think that was the actual point as a kid where i was in total awe uh of this game really but you traverse through the worlds and you know you you break baby Bowser's spell and get the tree back and bring happiness back to Yoshi's Island. You know, it's a game that holds up to true Nintendo fashion. And I started with this game because this is actually the first N64 game I ever played, actually. So... Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a trial mode. I never actually played trial mode. I don't know what that's all about. Um, Also, I think it's interesting to note uh, in this game, you have a character that appears to look a lot like Lakitu from the Mario games. And you have the Shy Guys, which made their first appearance in the American version of Super Mario 2, which originated from Doki Doki Panic. So I thought that was interesting t- for them to... You know, these are how they give nods to be like, hey, like, you know, this is kind of in you know, the Mario verse and everything. Right. Because once th- those new enemies showed up in the American Super Mario Brothers 2, they just found ways to rehash them for other Mario spin-off titles and stuff like that. Um, Yoshi Story, I don't know who knows this, would eventually be converted and used as a tech demo when Nintendo was getting ready to reveal the Game Boy Advance to showcase... Oh, okay what the system could do. Because, you know, it was supposed to be, like, in general, a handheld Super Nintendo, however, slightly beefed up. It's kind of an in-between between the Super Nintendo and the N64, despite it coming out, you know, after N64, it's a handheld. But, you know, they really stepped up their game when it came to handhelds with the uh, with the Game Boy Advance. It was very impressive. Yeah. So the fact that it could play... Uh, an N64 game, technically. Right. Well, and some uh, of those, and some of those 64 games, um, they had plans for them to run on, like you know, the Super FX chip, right? First, first, first Super Nintendo. Uh, so which is kind of crazy to think about, right? Really, like some sure, of these yeah. games. So if that, so I mean, if you know, if I, I don't know that if this was one of them, but you never know. Development, there's stuff we, especially with Nintendo, it's like there was just that there was like a huge leak a while ago where we like they found they found stuff from like original Pokemon stuff that people never even knew. So who, yeah. So, so who knows, but, um, makes you wonder though, for sure. Yeah. Oh, it definitely does. Yeah. So cool. All right, man. Yeah. Yoshi story. Yeah. You know, it's one of those ones. I, I, I never, I did not really play, uh, Yoshi, Yoshi story. Um, but I did like the music in smash brothers. 
right? And I love the uh, cover that's art. That's gonna count. Yeah. Sure, yeah. The original Smash yeah. Brothers, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, um, I will. Uh, I think I'm gonna go ahead and get my heavy hitter uh, out of the way. I have I have one kind of heavy hitter, uh, and so I am gonna go ahead and say, to me, this isn't the best game on the N64. Only because the best game on the N64 is also widely considered as the single greatest video game that's ever existed. But if that game didn't exist, okay, <laughs> if, if, if Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time did not exist, <laughs> I firmly believe that GoldenEye would be considered the Ooh, best game there on we go. the N64. To me, this was the reason I wanted an N64. I, got, I did end up getting one. Um, again, w- way towards the, N6, the end of the N64's lifestyle. And there are certainly other – there's tons of other party games on the N64. Mario, I love Mario Party, especially Mario Party 2. Oh, classic, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean Cruising U- Cruisin USA, Smash Brothers, um which actually the 64 Smash is still to this day my favorite uh Smash Brothers game. I think mine um, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean even, you know, Perfect Dark, which is, you know, basically kind of a sequel to GoldenEye. Not People loved Perfect good, Dark. Yeah. But there's some there's there's cool stuff in it. I, to me it's more of like a Here's like a debug, you know, mode of, of of Goldeneye, right? And there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff in in Perfect Dark, and I do like that it has its own thing. But the big difference is that on Goldeneye, you have the James Bondness to it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that is really what pushes this game over the top from just being what I actually still consider to this day to be the best. And maybe I shouldn't say best any any anymore, but certainly most influential. Uh, first-person shooter ever. And I know there's Doom and Duke Nukem, a lot of those other early big first-person shooters, but to me, this is the one where it's on the N64, four people can play, uh, and it's on console, right? There were not nearly as many people PC gaming uh, back in those days uh, as there is on on console, right? Um, And so this game, I mean, the multiplayer alone would be enough to make this like the best party game on the N64, right? I mean, the four screens, definitely all the, all the different levels you get to play as I mean, you get, you get to play as James Bond and, and the, some of those villains, you get some of the classic villains. Everybody knows you can't play as odd job cause he's too small. <laughs> so like that in itself would make this game perfect. Then you have an amazing campaign Based upon what I also consider to be the best James Bond movie uh, in in Goldeneye, and I have uh, – you can go find an, an old episode of a podcast I did back in the day with my buddy Ez, who I podcast a lot with, in which we ranked all of the James Bond movies, um, and game or no game aside to help it along, I still 100% believe Goldeneye is the best James Bond movie. So then you have that going for it. You have a insanely underrated soundtrack. Uh, the soundtrack on this game is absolutely phenomenal for the N64 um, because the N64 compared to the PlayStation doesn't even come close in terms of sound just because of the difference of being on a cartridge as opposed to a CD where you can have uncompressed MP3s right. and, and, you know, vi- and audio files. So 
there's literally so much jam packed into this game from the moment you turn it on and you see you know pierce brosnan's james bond and n64 style walk turn shoot everything is absolutely amazing in 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 this game the really the only downside to this game even to still playing it today is one it can really chug on frame rate uh when you got like a lot of stuff you know a yeah lot, yeah a lot of people yeah. i mean i'm talking like four to five frames a second uh and you know now it's a little bit harder to control just because of the way you have to turn and strafe and everything but back in the day it did not matter man i mean multiplayer using remote mines using sniper rifles everyone's screen looking the uh you know dd44 the all the funny names for guns because they didn't want to call them the actual thing you know the pp7 everything about everything about this game there are cool cinematics in the in the in the campaign missions it follows the golden eye story along um you know storyline really well and then of course i mean the multiplayer i mean that's the whole reason you're really there is that multiplayer i mean the sheer amount of hours that i probably spent playing golden eye as a kid uh is like insane i mean just staying up late you know hammering mountain dew and pizza playing golden eye dang that sounds like the life mountain dew and pizza with golden eye that reminds me oh, of like yeah, my man. days like freaking playing Wario Land 3 and Pokemon Silver on my Game Boy eating like pizza every night. That that sounds very familiar to me. Um I I played it, you know, a handful of times uh as as a kid. You know, it wasn't exactly a go-to for my friends and I. However, I will not deny the pandemonium this game caused. Like I couldn't oh, yeah. turn a corner without hearing somebody like talking about it. It was like the second coming, you know, as far as like 90s pop culture goes, it was like the second coming of like Stone Cold Steve Austin almost or The Rock. <laughs> like that's what mm-hmm. it felt like to me because, again, that was something else where I turn a corner and that's all I would ever hear about. <laughs> so GoldenEye was is definitely like, I think if you had to make a list of uh, top 10 um like iconic moments in like pop culture. I I honestly truly believe GoldenEye would have to I don't know, it, it depending on where your values are on this list. Right. It would have to be hard hard pressed in there somewhere. Like I definitely think it should Certain, be on there. I mean certainly in video games. I mean like to me it's like this this game is so good because you know when I think about like top 10s, right? It's like okay, well, it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. Let's say, I mean let's say the top 10 Sega Genesis games not I, 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 maybe one of those games finds its way into the top 10 video games of all time, right? Or maybe some of those find their way into the top 10 of whatever category they're in of all time, right? Like, GoldenEye to me, it like finds itself in like, I, I can think of like 10 categories it finds itself in, 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 in video games. I mean, top 10 licensed games, I mean, easily. Uh, I mean, up until recently, where like superhero games have started getting good, by I mean, for the longest time, that it was the the number one best licensed game ever, no questions asked. Then, it, top ten N sixty four game, top ten first person shooter, top ten based on a movie, even outside of license, right? I mean, so there's just so much, um, so many things about this about about this game where I, top 10 party games i mean just where i think it, it just finds itself at in in the in the pantheon of some of just the greatest games ever and it just has so many things 
going for it. I mean, I know so many people that they bought an N64 for this game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely remember that being a thing for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, I'll toss it back to you. Adam, all right. For your second game here. We'll go with a heavy hitter here, you know, and, uh, you know, everyone knows Matt and I have talked about uh, our fair share of wrestling games, uh, you know, in the past where we did our top five and then we did the comparison with uh, SmackDown 2 and No Mercy. I remember that very well. Um, and people are probably going to be like, rip my head off for this one because people are probably going to be like, oh, why didn't you pick No Mercy? Or why didn't you pick WCW NWO Revenge? Well, it's because everyone talks about those games. The 1N64 game, I feel like, people forget about in the wrestling realm is WrestleMania 2000, which surprises mm-hmm. me because <laughs> it was made by Aki, you know, who also made WCW NWO revenge and WWF no mercy, you know? So I just feel like this one doesn't get a lot of love. I don't think people hate on it or anything like that. I just feel like it's severely overlooked, you know? Um, I, it's just because no mercy was the better WWF game at the time and right. as far as you know people were also pretty cutthroat you know whether you were a WWF or a WCW fan at the time so for people that were WCW fans like WCW and WWF Revenge was like that was it there was like just no other option for you like it was that or or nothing like that's what you played uh, it was released in the US in October of 1999 and it was obviously very successful because by January, it sold over a million copies. So that's that's pretty good, I would say. You know, mm-hmm. you know, for the time being. Um, like other of uh, the Aki-developed wrestling games, WrestleMania 2000 shares its game engine with uh, Virtual Pro Wrestling. You know, which was a game based in Japan only, which you know uses a joint like federation system of like uh all japan pro new japan fmw pancrase you know to name a few uh it features over uh 50 uh wwf superstars at the time you know and they could be edited actually this was the first uh game where you can use its extensive create a superstar mode uh, to make alternate attires um for wrestlers, you know, so that's 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 cool, and that's definitely fun because you know sometimes you're watching Raw, SmackDown, or Nitro or Thunder, and you know sometimes the attire might be a different bit different, it might be like a color swap or something like that. And if you ever felt like, hey, I want to do that, well, boom, this game uh, allowed you to to do that, so that was cool. Uh, it featured the cage match and first blood match, which WCW didn't have actually mm-hmm. um and as far as the uh, the roster goes you know you have you know classic like you have uh you know austin rock triple h undertaker think attitude era yeah i think they i think at the time they still had people like uh draws uh davy boy smith you know british bulldog uh stuff like that uh there were unlockables too you had to do certain things to unlock uh certain characters like i think to unlock cactus jack you had to like defend the hardcore title a certain number of times uh as well 
Uh, great gameplay. Obviously, you know, a place just like WCW, NWO Revenge, and WWF No Mercy. You know, this was the in-between game. So obviously mm-hmm. the gameplay style was very simple. It, it was very uh, uh, similar, you know, if you're familiar with those two games. And I, and, I, and I like that because I've emphasized this in the past. You know, I, I like it when you play a game and it's like you could, like, feel the game, you know? It's like it feels like... You could feel the kicks. You could feel the punches. You could feel the impact, you know, of, of everything. And, you know, like, you feel like you're actually, like, connecting uh, everything. So it's it's very smooth. And in some senses, it had, like, a brawl-like quality. So that, that was always really, really cool. I just really loved the appearance. I also think, however, because this game came out before WrestleMania 16, also known as WrestleMania 2000, of course. So, I, if I remember correctly, the Titantron in the game for the WrestleMania event, it's not 16, because they didn't have it made yet. So it wasn't ready. So I'm pretty sure they rehashed the... Uh, they had the uh, Tron for WrestleMania 15 in the game, oh, actually. Wow. And, you know, you have your other arenas, too, like Raw, and you had Sunday Night Heat. I don't know if anyone remembers Sunday Night Heat. I definitely do. So, so that's fun. Uh, continuous story mode, you know, like, you, you, like it actually doesn't really matter if you lose a match. It's just kind of like logged in your record. But you want to keep like winning as many matches as possible so you could get like the main event at WrestleMania uh, 2000. If you hold a belt, you have to defend it at a pay-per-view. Uh, but if you hold more than one belt, you have to defend each belt you know, at the pay-per-view as well. I thought that was uh, a very interesting feature they did there. So you're kind of more involved in that sense. Um, let's see here. Yeah, no, I think that's it, really. You know, I yeah, you know. I, I, I didn't play it a lot because um, I didn't have an N64 when this game came out. I was kind of like you, where I, you know, I had it much, much later. But... I remember like being really, really into it. Um, but also another uh, thing to take into account here: there was a Game Boy version as well. Um, mm. But that was Which developed I think, I by think Netsume. I think it's reviewed. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's reviewed. It's reviewed pretty well. Yeah, no, overall the game did get pretty good reviews. So uh, I think it was definitely successful and you know earns its stamp. So I just don't want anyone to forget about <laughs> WrestleMania 2000, really, next to all the other plethora of good wrestling games out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's I mean, I I've been I've been looking up just to see what are some what are some just actual differences like between the two. Um, because obviously the engine you know is improving along the way. You go. Um, to me, uh, it it is kind of interesting because it's like well. You go from it's like would I rather play WrestleMania 2000 or Revenge? Well, I'd probably pick Revenge, even though Revenge has a lot less in it, a lot less in it, just because it has that WCW kind of charm. Whereas this uh, is like that middle child, right? You know, it's like that middle child you kind of, you know, you, you, that kind of gets left behind because uh, it's like obviously, why would you play this today when you could go play? Um, you know, no, 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 no mercy. mercy. Right. Um, but I am, I am looking up some of the differences here. So s- there are some people saying that um, in some ways, WrestleMania 2000 uh, actually plays a little bit better because no mercy does at some points. And I, I have seen this have some slowdown um, and this game does not uh, have that much have, have that as 
um, as much. So that's kind of one thing. Um, I've seen some people say that this is easier to port characters like in people that do hacks uh, because it's the no mercy is moves like it's the next step in the engine where this is the same engine as revenge right uh and so like there are like you know there's there's been hacks and mods and stuff over time and so it seems like uh wrestlemania 2000 is an easier thing to mod in wcw characters for people that do that um just because it is it's the same engine as opposed to one that is slightly different Right, um, I yeah. thought I thought there was. A, isn't there a creative belt in this? You know what? There is there, and there's uh, not in No Mercy. I don't remember there being one in No Mercy. No, but I believe there was one in 2000. But I don't think, kind of like No Mercy, you don't see the belts really. You know, when mm-hmm. when they come out or anything, you like you just design it and like. You do or, see the, or, in No Mercy. Like, you do it. see the belts. You do okay. I couldn't remember. Yeah. I don't really. Smackdown. I, you don't see the belts. yeah. In the first Smackdown, you don't. Smackdown two, yeah. you did. You, which again, because those because yeah. Smackdown two and No Mercy came out around like same time, the different same developers, day, yeah. but obviously it's later technology, so it's like right. you know they're obviously able to, which makes sense too, why people would find WCW and WrestleMania two thousand easier to mod because again it's earlier tech, so it's probably right. easier to like figure out and, right. and get into. I mean, I would have no idea what I'd be doing because I don't know how to do any of that stuff, but it makes right. sense though. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, WrestleMania. Yeah, for me, WrestleMania two thousand. Um, it's it, it it's it's cool to, as if you're just doing kind of the progression too. Like you want to see like, um, how did this engine evolve, right? Uh, sure, and then, yeah. You know, you you go from because uh, there's there's a lot of stuff in in Revenge. Uh, the, the, the WCW NWO revenge that I like, I, I, I'm so disappointed by to me, the biggest one is entrances, the entrances in NWO revenge or, you know, WCW NWO revenge is the biggest deterrent to me going back and playing that game because they don't have their entrance music. They have like generic, everybody has like generic entrance music and it just loses the feel. Right. Um, of it whereas this does and then it gets much better in 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 no mercy uh but yeah it, it, it even like you know it's like some of the smackdown games later where you're like oh you know like 2007 was good right or 2009 was good right um and then they just get lost because the series just gets so big and it's basically a like madden every year uh type of a thing but unlike madden they, these guys were doing way more in every new iteration uh and ea has ever come close to doing uh in any of their franchises yeah yeah i i would i would agree with that you know for the most part it's still like a copy and pasting but they still try to make some they tried to make some new features with the exception of this year because we got a different game this year which i don't even want to talk about but (laughs) that's just that's just me uh but i i could not do a list and not do um a wrestling game uh, in the meantime. And like I said, let, why not? I just touch on the one that, you know, like you, you said it best. It's, is the middle child really. That's mm-hmm. kind of what we're looking at here. So yeah. Yeah. All right. And that's okay. Cause I, my next game is kind of, it's kind of like that as well. So, um, I am going to talk about NBA hang time. Okay. So, uh, NBA Hang Time is a game that I, um, I actually, I, I, I played it 
like a couple years ago. It's not something I played back on the uh, back like during, in the day during the heyday. Yeah, it's something that I, I kind of found because my buddy, uh, my buddy Alan, um, we went over to his house. Uh, you know, went over to his house and we were just kind of hanging out and we're just like, and he he busted we busted out his N sixty four and we were like, hey, let's play Hang Time, which is basically, I mean, it's obviously it's 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 like the third iteration, I guess, in the NBA Jam. Uh, franchise which i love you know the nba jam the over the top two-on-two basketball game you know with like boom shakalaka yeah everyone everyone loves yeah Yeah, exactly yeah everybody everybody loves it and so hang time um is was kind of the next step in that um in that franchise and there's stuff that i think they did well compared to uh the jam series and there's stuff they didn't they 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 didn't do as well and then you move into showtime which takes that same thing and that's when like nfl blitz is coming out oh that i remember and and then it it switches more to that 3d style um and and, but and more like more kind of over the top arcadey thing but hang time was kind of there in the middle it's still 2d uh in you know in in a sense um it's a little more 3d and just the way it ends up looking but a lot of that a lot of that stuff that you like in the original nba franchise nba jam right you know franchise there it's still two on two they're still you know pushing and getting on fire and alley-oops and over-the-top slam dunks and you can put in codes um and the roster i think of this is i would say is better than the roster uh well maybe just because like in the in the first nba jam you don't get like expanded rosters it's like two people per team and then it moves up and so now you have up to five people uh on 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 the team so you can make cooler combinations you can still use your uh you know you can you can still use your teams and um the more i play just the nba jam uh series and you know now you have playgrounds and stuff like that and street and so a lot of these games that have just continued on and on i've actually come to realize there's actually some 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 un kind of seen some not surface level depth to these games because it's two on two there is actually some matchups kind of situations you can get into right if you pick two small guys you're going to be a little bit faster you're going to be able to shoot the ball better if you pick two big guys you're not going to be able to shoot like three-point shots but you can block better but then you're a little bit slower and so uh, do you pick guys that are kind of middle height who can kind of who are kind of good at, at both but not necessarily great at both stuff like that so um there's definitely some of that cool stuff you do have like the codes like but you know the, the classic midway like mortal Kombat codes right the three-digit thing, you punch it in just like Oh, man, what a throwback. And, and, and NFL <laughs> Blitz, you know, all you know, all that stuff, right, to give you like big head or you know, whatever. A lot of a lot of that a lot of that stuff. Um uh a lot of that stuff is there. Unfortunately, there's a handful of characters uh that are not in the game just because of licensing issues, but that's the situation uh that the nineties basketball games were in most of the time. Michael Jordan, Barkley, uh Shaq are, are you know are, are are not are not in the game, right? Um just because they had weird licensing issues and and, and, and stuff like that. But they're they're not in a lot of nineties sports games. Like even some of the NBA live games, right? Uh Michael Jordan is just listed in a lot of those as like player ninety nine or like, you know, player twenty three and he's got like, you know, all ninety nine stats. So you do um you you do have, have some of that stuff. But again, I, I it's 
it's one where it's to me it's it's faster it's definitely faster than nba jam like a lot faster uh and so that is kind of cool for that arcade uh style style play and you know i mean if you like nba jam you're gonna like nba hang time yeah the the arcadey uh sport games you know it's like i'm not the biggest uh sports fan you know in the world but uh i could def i'm definitely someone that i could sit down and if if the game has that arcade quality to it i'm in you know there's just something very uh, fun and appealing to me about it i just like how it could be a little over the top it just it's just fun that that's really it at the end of the day yeah yeah exactly yeah i mean all those games nfl blitz i'll def i'll definitely do something on nfl blitz uh uh at at some point but nba jam all those games those those two on two over the top sports games they're they're great so all right adam let's toss it back to you we'll get into our final games here all right uh this is arguably um my favorite game on the n64 um this it's it's funny too because now this comes full circle because uh yoshi story came out in uh, 1997 originally, as I said, but 98 in the states. Um, uh, WrestleMania 2000 came out, and towards the end of 1999, I've come full circle. This released uh, December of 1998. Uh, Turok 2: Seeds of Evil during Acclaim's heyday, especially with uh, first-person shooters. I loved Turok 2: Seeds of Evil. Like that game was everything to me. I ate Turok 2 for breakfast, I ate Turok 2 for lunch, I ate Turok 2 for dinner. I just did not care about any other first-person game. I I was totally enamored by it. A uh, really fun fact here, uh, to show you how successful it was, came out in December of 1998. By January of 1999, it sold over a million copies. How about that? Faster than yeah. uh, WrestleMania 2000's, like, you know, sell time, actually. Which is still pretty good. But how about that, though, for Torok 2? That, that's success right there. Uh, true classic. And in my opinion, uh, don't crucify me, anybody listening. Uh, it's way better than the first Torok game. Uh, the only thing oh, I, like... I think I'd, I think I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, think I mean... I, I, think I, only... I do think I would agree with that. Uh, I... I... Turok 2 was my first Turok game ever. You know, I was very attracted to the game when it first came out ever because of its cover. You know, I was a dinosaur kid growing up. I loved Jurassic Park and stuff like that. So to see the first Turok with the raptor on the cover, I was like, whoa, what is this? I've never seen anything like this before. But I skipped out on it. I went and played Turok 2, went back and played the first one, and I was like, eh, I'm, I'm unimpressed. You know, I just wasn't into it. I don't think it could hold... Uh, a candle. Oh, it's been ported to the Switch. If mm-hmm. anyone wants to check it out, and I, I, I do believe there's an Xbox port uh, as well. Uh, I think I kind of just said Switch first, since you know it's kind of like OG Nintendo, you know, in the first right. place. You know, you could, it wasn't on any other system. Turok 2 is specifically on N64. Uh, the game has six gigantic levels. They're massive, and you have multiple objectives. Uh, to complete, to beat each level. Uh, it's great weapons. I love the weapon selection in this game. Uh, they kind of like, for the most part, had their own names. You had, uh, well, you had a shotgun with exploding shells. That was fun. Uh, you had a triple-barreled rocket launcher, I think, called the Scorpion. 
there was a futuristic shotgun called Shredder that shoots like these blue beams. Totally cool. Uh, you had a Gatling laser, I think, called the uh, Firestorm. And you had a cool plasma rifle, to, to, to name a few. Uh, so the game, you know, like the story is like there's this alien called the Primogen. Uh, he's an alien life form and been imprisoned within his own starship. Uh, he, however, though, he's amassed an army of primal-like beings in the Lost Land, which is primarily where the game takes place. You know, to do his bidding, they're in search of the land's energy totems, and by destroying them, uh, they would set the Prime Engine free. However, uh, destroying the totems and setting Prime Engine free would result in explosion that could wipe out the universe. And Turok has been called upon the Lost Lands elders to uh, stop this. Uh, long story short, um, it was supported by the expansion pack. I think that's also fun to note because. What it did was allowed you to play the game at a higher resolution at the time. I forget mm-hmm. what I forget what it was. I forget the specs for the resolution. Uh, I have it. But... I, I have it pulled up here because I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm trying to look at pictures of it. Um, I think 640 uh, by 480. Wow. But considering that, I played without at the, the time, expansion pack. At the time, that's huge. That's yeah. huge. That's a that's a that's a big difference. Yeah, I played it without the expansion pack, and I was still very impressed by. Uh, what I was seeing, uh, it had multiplayer. Uh, I really don't remember a lot of people like talking about the game's multiplayer, uh, but it had deathmatch, team deathmatch, arena, uh, to name a few. I think there was something called frag tag. I forget how that goes though. Um, you could play as lots of different characters in multiplayer. That I remember, uh, and they kind of like all had their pros and cons. You could, I remember specific specifically because you could play as the raptor. And mm-hmm. um, super fast, but you could only really do like close quarters combat, really, with the Raptor. Um, tight, solid gameplay. It holds up. Uh, doesn't I still don't think it felt weird or clunky, you know, at the time I played it. You know, and thinking back on it, I, I just think it would really hold up really well. Uh, it's also cool to note, you know, I said before the levels were pretty big. He had multiple objectives to complete to beat each, to beat each level. Um, it's non-linear, so it doesn't matter which order uh, you complete your objectives. You're kind of free to just roam around these levels and and figure things out uh, on your on your own, really. Uh, I, I want to get into the levels. I want to talk about yeah, the levels because yeah. I, I I loved the level design of these games, uh, starting with the uh, the first one, Port of uh, Adia. It's kind of a like a village uh, port-based level uh, that's been raided by the Dinosaur Army. Uh, they are a humanoid dinosaur-like soldiers armed to the teeth, you know. And I don't mean just teeth. Bad pun. I'm sorry, but you know they had like arm cannons and and stuff like that. Like they're ready to go, and they're they're just very very cool looking. Uh, I thought it was a, a great spin uh, to put on the game. Uh, level 2, which is probably my favorite level, a uh, slaughter by the River of Souls. There's a slight paradigm shift, I feel, here at this point, you know, in the game, because, like, in the first game, you're used to dinosaurs and uh, GIs coming at you, basically. Uh, in this game, you know, in the second level, you know, you're still fighting remnants of the dinosaur army, you know, and the level is kind of much like, you know, Port of uh, Adia 
a well, but as well, but like a, a bit darker. But we're introduced to hordes of undead. Uh, Velociraptors start showing up, and the Sisters of Despair. You know, there's like these three undead demons that like float around in the level, actually. So at this point, you're kind of like, whoa, like we're kind of facing something a little uh, bigger here, you know, more than just dinosaurs and stuff like that. So I thought that was cool. I remember in the beginning of the level, there's a huge triceratops with cannons on it and you could jump on it and kind of just like plow through the beginning of the level. But I remember, you know, I was I was kind of young when I played this, and I remember being like, okay, I'm starting to get a little weirded out here now. Uh, level three was the Death Marshes, which uh, I think that name says it all. You know, it's pretty much what yeah. you'd expect. Uh, dark, uh, murky swamps inhabited by the Perlin. You know, the, these giant ape creatures really fighting alongside the dinosaur army. Uh, so that that so that's a real treat. Very, you know, again, it's kind of hard to see and traverse around. Uh, Lair of the Blind Ones, level four, is kind of like Death Marshes, but it has areas that are slightly more like a dark oasis. If that's a place you'd want to go, <laughs> but the Blind Ones were like these uh, goblin, cyclopsy, demon-like creatures, uh, basically to show you the kind of variety we're getting here as opposed to the first game. Hive of the Mantids, total Starship Trooper vibes here. Dark, murky, hive-like area infested with giant arachnid and insect soldiers. No thanks. I'll take death, please. I just, you know, I don't mean to be a little morbid here, but I hate bugs. I'm like Blathers from Animal Crossing, basically. You know? <laughs> I, I, I just, like I, can't, I can't stand the sight of them. But... But a very, very cool, interesting touch. You know, and it's great, too, because, you know, by level two, seeing the different enemies coming in, you realize, I'm not just fighting the same old thing here. You know, it just keeps ever changing and evolving. So it kind of puts you on your feet where you're kind of like, oh, God, what horrors am I going to face next, really? You know, and uh, last but not least, Primogen's Lightship. Simple. Spaceship. Massive spaceship with some freaky-looking robots walking around. This serves as the final level, and afterwards you face off against uh, the Primogen, which there was a. I, I'm not gonna give it away, uh, you know, because I, you know, for people that want to play it and figure it out on their own, there was a bit of a learning curve for me to like really figure out what am I supposed to be doing here, you know, against this guy. Really cool design. Um, there's also a chance to get a good or bad ending, and I'm not going to spoil those as well. Just play the game as you like, and and see what happens. Really. Yeah, I I gotta say, I so I've just been looking up some of the differences between the like graphics comparisons uh, and stuff like that. So the expansion pack back in the day, actually, it it was it was de it's definitely noticeable. Um, and it definitely also seems to improve the frame rate a little bit. Uh, but then I looked at like the switch version and like, there's a PC version and stuff like that. I mean, it's like, it's so night and day. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, I mean, definitely I would probably say I'd, I'd be checking out the version on switch or, or PC or something like that today. But, um, did you ever play? Yeah, uh, no. So I, I didn't, I, I, I didn't play Turok. Um, I mean, I, I like tried it once at my buddy's house. I, uh, he, I, my buddy, but his name was Ryan. 
um he had kind of his n64 game and we'd kind of like you know trade games back and forth and stuff like that i went over his house once and he was all about it he was like oh man turok is so good uh and just from what i remember and, and looking up stuff and and you know and i thought i was thinking about getting on switch um uh, i i do i'm i do like the level design i gotta say uh i think it uses a lot of color actually definitely uh, it, in, in a good way compared to a lot of other like especially first person games on the n64 like a lot of games um the n64 uh compared to the you know because i just always compare it to the playstation um you know the, well the yeah yeah that's ha- good though because you yeah, definitely the n64 have has this like fog uh in it you know what i mean like it's it's kind of it's because the draw distances aren't super great so a lot of n64 games have this kind of like fog is the oh, only yeah, way i know definitely. how to, the, the only way i know how to describe it and it shows up in a lot of games uh, but I think this game does uh, a good a, a good job, really, of of you know with that limited hardware, uh, making something that's kind of cool and definitely unique, right? I mean, sure, yeah, it's definitely original. The... I don't think it steals any of its ideas, you know. I no. think it's pretty I mean, original yeah, the... in its own right. Yeah, and it's and it's it's it comes out right at a time in which you have Tomb Raider. Um, you know, like Dino Crisis is coming out, or or was out at the time, stuff like that. So there were people kind of making games in that, uh, you know, kind of kind of genre, and it's it's definitely it's definitely something that you know is is unique. And I'd say, I mean, uh, just comparing it to some of the other first person shooters on the N sixty four, I mean, it's uh, which actually oddly, I think the N sixty four is not really what you think of as like a great first person shooter system. But there are. I mean, you've got definitely for sure, yeah. Perfect Dark, the Turok series, Duke Nukem 3D is pretty good. The Doom port on Doom, you know, Doom 64 um, is is pretty good. I mean, so it's. I mean, to say that it's it's a top 10 N64 first person shooter isn't like you know. I mean, there's definitely there's definitely some good ones. Yeah, I um, you know, and it's and thinking about the fog thing, you know, it's definitely true for a lot of N64 games. One that sticks out to me primarily because I almost put it on my list, actually, was Jet Force Gemini from Rare. Yeah. Like, that was mm-hmm. big on that fog mechanic. I just feel like with this one, they, you know, where there could have been... I mean, it is, you know, like, I'm not trying to sound, like, biased or anything. You know, of course, I will note, you know, kind of like GoldenEye and other games, it suffered frame rate issues at certain points, you know, but... I definitely think, you know, the developers, you know, they didn't hold back, you know, in the words of John mm-hmm. Hammond, you know, spared no expense, basically. Right. <laughs> at this point. Some, even so I'm looking at um, some of the things that were said, kind of some of the reviews that came out around the time, right, uh, back in the day. Um, they noted that they said that, that the AI is 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 uh, this game. This is game pro back in, you know, whatever, 1990 eight or whatever yeah uh say that it has has way better um has way more advanced ai uh than that of the enemies in in goldeneye right um they'll hide behind barrels and stuff like that which actually i mean for the time that's kind of advanced really i mean um yeah i remember enemy strafing at you and stuff like that yeah pretty crazy because it wasn't even until like 2002 2003 or 4 you know like metal gear solid 
uh to kind of introduce some of that stuff like the hiding behind oh yeah um, definitely where you could like snap to it and then you had that game kill switch which introduced the you know being able to just like stick the gun out and fire from behind yeah from your cover system you know, your, definitely your thing, totally, which then yeah. gears of war took and ran with and it made definitely an, i mean made mm-hmm. an entire franchise off of so i mean that is that is that is kind of you know advanced uh for for that time so that's that's pretty that's something that's definitely pretty cool too yeah the only i mean i'm the only thing about the turok series i'm I'm just surprised uh that it's not bigger like over its over kind of its course of um of history right because yeah they it's one of those things where everyone's like oh they just love it there was turok 3 on the n64 right and uh rage Um, wars as well turok rage wars and then Uh, it's like nothing happened Oh, there's Turok Evolution for the yeah. I, I I try to forget Evolution. I wasn't a, I wasn't big on it. The reboot on like 360 and PS3 was pretty good. Yeah, that, I remember that. that was, I remember the cover art where it's, where it's like the guy and he's just standing there and stuff like that. Very interesting nothing, take. So nothing since 2008 except for the the port of Turok 2. Who owns it? Acclaim. Well, Acclaim did, but Acclaim has been long, long gone for for a while. I think. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So, the claim like um, shut down. I think in like maybe like 2007. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know who so, acquired the rights. Actually, you know, I'll have to look into it for you know the uh, the Switch port. So the, the publisher, the publisher for the last game was Disney Interactive and Capcom in Japan. The developer is Propaganda Games and Aspire. Aspire does a lot of ports of things. Um, they actually just did that port of another N64 game, Episode One Racer uh to the to the switch so oh man i wonder who owns it i'm trying to see here to see like you know why aren't we getting another one i mean that's the that's the that's the real question so let's see here turok 2 seeds of evil um because it just got a switch port so i guess it would be who owns it i don't know i can't it doesn't really say so, oh well, well we can we can we can figure that out. Well, whoever uh, owns it definitely then that means whoever owns it owns also the rights to the first South Park game as well because that was also made by Acclaim back in the day. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, when Acclaim split a lot of that stuff. Let me see. Can we just Google this? Who owns? Yeah, who Turok? owns the? Yeah, that's probably the easier thing to do here. Um, Turok is owned now by DreamWork Animation SKG. Whoever the heck that is. DreamWorks Classics. Uh, it's an American studio owned by DreamWorks. Uh, DreamWorks Animation. Oh, so so DreamWorks, the, the that big company, they they bought it. All I so. all I can say is, and I don't know if this is really fair for me to say, but to, like just to give you an idea, because the way the reboot was on the 360 and the PS3, like the assortment of dinosaurs and like kind of like whether they be real or made up or whatever, you know, obviously there's a huge gap in, in technology between that, the first one and that. But that's like playing that made me think, man, this is what I wish, you know, the first Turok was. But. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Okay, well, we'll see. All right, well. Uh, all right, I'll move on to my final game. Um, this one, oh, man, this is my most wanted reboot from Nintendo. It's a good choice. Of any, of any franchise that they have, this is the one that I want the most. And when I think of racing games, 
oh, and yeah. I think of the N64. I mean, I think you could make a top 20 racing game. Oh, yeah. For the, Definitely. For the, N- for the N64, easily. Mario Kart, Diddy Kong Racing, episode Star Wars Episode One Racer, Cruise in USA. The, there's that Beetle Racing game. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember that one. I remember that. Even Road yeah. Rash Jailbreak, which I don't think is nearly as good as some of the other Road Rash games. Uh, you know, it was decent. F-Zero F-Zero X. F-Zero X. Right? Oh, yeah. Love that. But to me, <laughs> I the, the game that just was so unique, so charming, uh, serves as almost like an amazing tech demo for what the N64 can do, um, had a sequel on the GameCube, which was okay, but its biggest downfall was its soundtrack, and it just lost that feel. Um, I view this as the, as a big competitor to Jet Moto, which is one of my favorite franchises on PlayStation, and that is Wave Race 64. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. It's classic. Game, it's classic. It's, it's so classic. It's so good. Like, I still think it looks good to this day. Um, it's just so 90s. It is so yeah. It's like this in jet moto, you know, go go toe to toe, right? This like jet ski, and it's like Kawasaki is right right on the logo too, right? Um, so much fun. You have to weave in and out, and even even though it's one of these like you know, it's on the N64, it's low polygons. There's just so much color. Uh, the water physics at the time were like insane. Yeah, right? there were particle I mean, effects. They had particle effects for the particle effects. Out, and this yeah. is this is the thing. Like you know, when you look at you, you think about wow, you went from two D on the Super Nintendo and Genesis, right, to three D on the PlayStation, the N sixty four, and the Sega Saturn. This game to me was like wow. You know, I mean, it's that it's that wow factor of like holy crap, this is what we are going to. And it was such a huge leap in graphics and everything that this game to me was like, this was that game where I was like, wow, like, this is crazy. Like, just the difference, the difference, the difference between the two, you know, I mean, like the difference between this generation and the next generation, which was the PlayStation 2 generation was everything looked good. Uh, you know, I think mean, there's a lot of games, eh, you know, and it was it was a huge leap forward. I don't think the leap between PS2 and PS3 was as noticeable immediately other than HD, but not everyone had HD TVs at that time. Right. So it it wasn't it, it wasn't as big initially. I mean, as it progressed out a little bit further and everyone started to get HD TVs, then it wasn't even close. I mean then it was like, wow, this is this is a big jump. The jump between th- PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4, not that big. I think this jump is actually big. Um I do think that we will notice this much more much quicker the jump between ps4 and ps5 just because the ps4 was pretty underpowered actually when it came out compared to where it should have been in like the console life cycle because the third the eighth generation i think it is the playstation 3 xbox 360 life 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 generation uh went on far longer than it normally does it's normally five years and it was like eight to ten years right um some of that was like 2008 and you know other stuff too and people just kept buying it so hey they just kept pushing it out but easily the biggest jump in graphics is the jump from the Super Nintendo to the N64 or, you know, PlayStation, whatever you want to go. Uh, and for me, this was the game. This was the game where I was like, wow, that is crazy. And a lot of it just had to do with the water because, you know, water is one of those things in games where 
you look at it and if it looks good, it's like, wow, everything looks good, right? Um, and, you know, there's just so much charm to this game. I mean, just, uh, graphics aside, there's just so much charm to it. It's bright, it's colorful. Uh, the music is like this. Great music, loved it. Yeah, great music, right? I love that that opening scene, that 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 opening cutscene, and then you've got the announcer, right? Who's like that kind of? He reminds me of the announcer in Rock and Roll Racers, like whoa, crazy, you know? Like, yeah, dude, right. Like, yeah, stuff like that, and it just it just works. It's just one of these games where it's its own thing, and it just works, um, you know, so well. Uh, and and it's and it and, and it's great, and then. You know, Wave Race Blue Storm came out for the GameCube, and it just—it's a good game, and it looks good. And actually, I've—I've I've run it a couple times on the Dolphin emulator, so you know you can play it in like 4K and, and stuff like that. But it just—it lacks the charm. It just doesn't have that charm of uh, Wave Race 64, and a lot of N64 games are like that. They just have that—they just have that charm. It's one of the thing with the Mario Party games where I'm like. I think Mario Party 2 is the best just because, you know, uh, it's got that charm, right? You get, like, the cowboy hats and all this stuff, and it's just something about – there's just something about the N64 in general where – and this is a Nintendo thing where, like, because of the limitations of hardware or whatever, they end up focusing more on the gameplay and stuff like that. And I think this is one of those games that really, really – Very, very solid. It. And it definitely holds up – and, it, you know, again, with the music, look no further than – you know, extreme beach sports music like that. Like mm-hmm. that's that's the game. You know, <laughs> like it, it's it's iconic. It's 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 got that vibe. You know, like I would, you know, sit in my parents' basement, you know, playing that game, and I felt like, wow, I feel like I'm actually at the beach. You know, mm-hmm. listening to this. That's the kind of vibe it, it it set for me. Right, and and I think I think also it's one of the games that the N64 controller, which I don't have a problem with, but I know a lot of people do because yeah, it's kind of weird. And some games that it, it kind of gets in the way and, you know, it's, it's kind of awkward just because it's that one analog stick. Right. Uh, and then sometimes you don't need it. So you, you know, how do you even hold the thing? Cause like, you know, the three prongs, you know, everybody holds it differently. But for me, I just, I think it's one, it's actually, it actually ends up just working really well for this game. Right. Like, um, uh, it, it it ends up controlling really really well even with the N sixty four controller, um, you know and and you're bounce you know you're kind of you're you're bouncing up and down on the water right but it's not as harsh or or awkward to control and it feels it feels the way it should which is is like something that's that's interesting and so you know obviously there's there's great multiplayer here you know four and four. Um, and they have time trials, you know, all, all of the stuff you, you expect to find in, in a racing game. And so for me, if I'm go if I'm, if I'm getting, going to a go-to racing game on the N64, it is going to be Wave Race 64 every single time. Couldn't agree more. You hit all the fine points with it, you know, it, it, it it's, it's great. And it, it's, it's fun to play with people. It, it's it's definitely again one of the games I heard everybody talking about when the N sixty four like you know hit hit states. And if you weren't talking about Mario Kart, you were talking about Wave Race sixty four. Mm-hmm. That's it. No contest. Yeah, and I mean, I, I the other the other advantage in in one way it's an advantage, another is that you know when you think about, I think I think Wave Race sixty four 
just benefits from the fact that its franchise is not that big. I think there's only three games in the franchise total because I think there's a Game Boy Wave Race. I didn't even know um, that actually. Wow. Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure I know that. Yeah, there. Yeah, so 1992 Game Boy was there was a Game Wave Race, and then there's Wave Race Blue Storm. But so you know some of the other some of the other racing games, right? So you have Mario 64, which a lot of people think is the best, but then a lot of people think a lot of the other Mario's Mario Mario Kart, excuse me, are the best, right? Um, so it kind of gets overlooked inside of its own series. I actually would beg to argue that Diddy Kong Racing is better than Mario Kart 64. Um, and I think that's another reason why that game is so beloved is because, well, there's not another Diddy Kong Racing, right? Uh, and so it's easier to think back on it. Um, F-Zero X is great, right? Uh, and it's a great racing game for the N64, but it just doesn't even come close to F-Zero GX on the GameCube. I mean, that game right. is like gorgeous and beautiful and stuff like that. So a lot of those, a lot of these other racing games get kind of lost um, in, in the midst. Hydro Thunder is my absolute all-time favorite game to play in the arcade, um, but there's no way I would ever want to play the N64 version compared to like the Dreamcast version or, or even the PlayStation version. Right, um, makes sense. Sure. And so, and you know, and then Cruisin' USA is great, uh, but Cruisin' USA, Cruisin' USA is great, and it was and it was cool because at the time, right? Because it's like you know that you you hear you hear that 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 announcer, right? Uh, but then that series got better. Um, so Wave Race was just a a home run from the get go, and you don't there's nothing else in the franchise really. So you just think back to the N64, and for me, that's where I I just immediately think back to Wave Race 64 compared to like Mario and stuff like that because. You know, if I want to play Mario Kart, I'm going to play Mario Kart 8 because it's – I mean, it's it's amazing. It's 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 perfect. So That's what they say. That's what people say. Yeah. So for me, yeah, Wave Race 64, man, that is oh, – that is that is my jam. Couldn't agree more. That's a great choice. Totally yeah. love it. Yeah, that and uh, Jet Moto. And, and, and Jet Moto, I had, I had both, and so I – I loved all I, the Jet Motos, you know. Like a lot of people, you know, 9-8 nine studios took over you know all those single track games you know like they absorbed mm-hmm. them because 989 became sony's like in-house developer basically yeah. towards the end of the playstation's like life cycle within it's like its last two years you know right. so they, they took over jet moto they took over uh twisted metal uh they took over uh test drive uh they started you know, they made all the Siphon Filter games originally, the first the first mm-hmm. three, which were great. Um, but, you know, so Jet Moto 3 was the first one not to be single track, you know, was put onto 989. Uh, but I, I, I loved that one just as much as I loved, you know, the second one. You know, I, I more so remember the second one and the third one more so than anything right. else. Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt like Wave Race was better than Jet Moto. Um, Jet Moto had some cool stuff to it. Uh, just like I, I remember, like, oh, it was the first time I remember seeing like in-game licensing, right? Because you had like the Mountain Dew team. I was like, oh, that's cool. You yeah, know, Mountain but... Dew Doritos. Yeah, no, you know, it's a product of its time. Um, right. And I, I think that's how, in a sense, you know, Sony was trying to uh, compete and appeal to you know a younger '90s uh, audience, but. I, again, I loved Wave Race. I mean, I loved Jet Moto, but Wave Race played a lot better because right. 
it didn't try to be as over the top. It tried to keep it a lot more right. simplified. Yeah, Sometimes wait, less yeah, is more. Jet, yeah, Jet Moto's got like the you got to like your rubber band around like corners and stuff like that. And that's just it's kind of I mean it's a cool mechanic once you know how to do it, but it's it's not very it's not something that is very intuitive for new players. Whereas Wave Race is much easier for somebody to pick up, pick up and go right. Bingo. And it, and it supported the controller pack, which was a kind of you know kind of interesting thing about you know, the N sixty four is that you had to plug in plug in that rumble so all right well hey with that that is some n64 classics we could definitely come back because there's you know tons of more just n64 games it's like over like it's like almost 464 games i think right oh yeah yeah exactly i mean god i mean it's just so many mario no no slim pickings here you know majora's mask i mean yeah i mean jet force gemini i mean there's 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 so many you know what there's not a metroid game unfortunately so we definitely will not uh we'd have to wait another generation for that which definitely had its following so still looking forward to that one we're supposed to be getting on the switch just waiting here tapping my fingers but i know they're trying to get it right so it's cool it's all good man i'd rather you try to perfect the craft yeah that's where i'm at too so all right well um adam you you said it at the top of the show but where can people find you on the internet i've been mainly a lot more active on instagram you can find me at wolfman jams uh you know just been uh you know posting some (laughs) day-to-day stuff basically but if you want to see you know i've just been kind of like you know slowing down you know taking a breather you know posting wrestling and uh music stuff when i can you know also if you're into that sort of thing but uh but yeah and you know i uh you know as people know like i'm you know adult back in school uh you know so we're trying to get the radio station up and running in this crazy time so you know if you're in if it happens if it falls through and you're in the union new jersey area you want to listen online wknj 90.3 fm you know you could hear me on there as well so Okay, perfect. All right, well, you can find me anywhere on the internet at Super Gains Bros. Which that, hey, we want to thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time.